0: Welcome to the STEM Everyday podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom, every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited that today I get to chat with somebody I've known for a long time via Twitter. His name is Eric Youngman. He's been a principal and a teacher. Now he's a curriculum director in Libertyville, Illinois. You can find him on Twitter at Eric underscore Youngman. Uh, make sure to use a K in the word Eric. And of course, that's in the show notes as well. Uh, so excited to be able to talk with Eric today and talk about his book about 12 characteristics of deliberate homework. And educators, that sounds like a great topic for all of us to be thinking about growth mindset and continuous learning. So excited. Welcome to the show today, Eric.
1: Thank you. I've been learning a lot from you via Twitter. So it's great to connect.
0: Yeah. And um, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself because you know educators who may not have already been one of your forty-five thousand plus followers on twitter may not already know about how great you are eric
1: thank you i grew up in racine wisconsin and i currently live in illinois Mm -hmm. Um, but i think as a student i just focused as being a student athlete and that kind of continues to be my mantra Mm -hmm. Um, i have three daughters so i really want to encourage them to excel in school and in athletics I think I did awesome at playing the game of school when I was growing up, <laughs> um, I got those grade A's, but I really don't think I loved learning until finally after graduating. Now I love learning about growth mindset and leadership and homework, and I just love learning science and history. Um, but in school, it was really more about getting those grades. And I just mentioned that in a lot of conversations because I think kids are good at playing school, but how can we really inspire them to be curious and want to learn? I started as a first grade teacher, then I was an assistant principal, and then a principal, and now I'm a curriculum director. And then recently, Routledge published one of my books, um, 12 Characteristics of Deliberate Homework. Yeah. Um, other things that I like to talk about is I do have a wife who's mm-hmm. a pathologist in a school. Wow. And then I have my three daughters who are in fifth, seventh, and ninth grade. And I mentioned that because I really try to share my unique perspective as a father, not just as a teacher not just as a curriculum director, because I think that um, gives people a lot of empathy and perspective when we're talking about some of these um, topics that people are pretty passionate about.
0: Right. Because you as an educator might mm-hmm. say, oh, all kids need this. You know, Kids need this. Kids need this. But as a parent, and, and just like me, Eric, we think differently in terms of, you know, because we've seen the kids cry at home. We've seen the kids struggle through something. So yeah, I, I really especially want to, uh, I think, dive in right away and just ask you about, you know, your motivation for writing a book like 12 Characteristics of Deliberate Homework. Is some of it kind of kind of grown out of that? You get to see both sides in the classroom and then at home?
1: Yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, I wrote the book to help educators and parents with this topic of homework, um, mm-hmm. and really there was three reasons. I mean, my school district um, decided to analyze homework And ultimately we created some belief statements, but I led that discussion. So it was some good discussions. But Mm. then my ninth grader at the time was a sixth grader. And like I said, she's over-involved in sports, Mm. but she was getting over two hours of homework a night. And and again, as a parent, just opened my eyes to some of the challenges. She would still get A's, um, but that amount of time was excessive. And then finally on Twitter, I started to share some slides about homework and I would get some great questions. I mean, sometimes I would watch my daughters play soccer and I'm on the sidelines tweeting and people are so passionate about homework. They're coming back pretty strong at me saying, you know, get rid of homework, never assign it. Well, my district, we want homework. And so the focus of the book is when and if you assign it, let's make it meaningful and reasonable. So there's some awesome authors out there who wrote some great research about why you should, why you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I connected with Kathy Baderod and she was actually probably the reason I wrote the book. She encouraged me to present and to write. Uh, but my focus was purely on when and if you assign it, let's make it meaningful, let's make it reasonable, let's make sure we're communicating, providing feedback and adequately grading.
0: Yeah, and in fact, your book really kind of outlines 12 characteristics of of what that, like you said, meaningful, relevant uh, homework should be. So. You know, if you had to pick one or two, what, what would those those top ones that educators can really think about? Then, then of course, you want them to jump in and, and check out the rest of those 12. But
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's been great. I've been trying to share information. So I've been collaborating a lot um, with educators and I've been presenting a lot. And mm-hmm. I start by talking about it needs to be reasonable completion time, mm-hmm. complexity and frequency, uh, because really those are the topics that could make homework accessible. Mm-hmm. So that's where I like to start. Um, but now because schools are in remote learning or hybrid learning, um, this is applicable to them as well, because when you assign independent practice, that could be considered homework. And so my shift for the second part, um, after you establish that foundation is really meaningful purpose, meaningful learning targets, meaningful format and sequence, because once you figure out what you're assigning to practice, it has to be meaningful. It has to connect with standards. I focus a lot on learning skills that we can empower. Mm. Um, I think it's kind of two phases, and so I've been presenting um, for an hour. I've been pre- presenting for half days or full days, um, but I think the base is um, making it reasonable. But then after that, let's really make it meaningful so we can really inspire some curiosity and learning.
0: Yeah, and and like Eric just mentioned, if you're if you're listening and you're thinking about at your own school like man we would love to hear about some of these ideas or maybe i've read eric's book and we're just having a real struggle with making homework like you said meaningful relevant uh, deliberate uh, with with a reasonable completion time the right level of complexity and frequency you can connect with him uh, through his twitter at eric underscore youngman and uh, like he said, that he'd be happy to, uh, to help help your staff because, because, you know, Eric, you and I, we understand it's not just about trying to sell a book or trying to, uh, to be famous or anything. It's about helping more kids navigate their way through, through life and, and the other things that they're doing in life that are important, but also be able to not just do the game of school, like you said.
1: I mean, it's challenging. Anytime I talk with someone, I hear how much educators are struggling, how much they're trying. Mm
0: -hmm. But every
1: conversation I I presented last, uh, yesterday morning to my school district, Mm -hmm. but they have a question that resonated with me when I was talking about feedback. They're like, Eric, how can we provide feedback? What are some ideas for it? Mm -hmm. Um, So the next couple of days, that's what I'm going to brainstorm about. And that's what I'll continue to share with others. I think we need to collectively problem solve and share different suggestions because we were talking about homework before but yeah. now we have synchronous learning, asynchronous learning, <laughs> and we have parents watching all the time. I, I One of my slides is talking about you're accustomed to evaluations and walkthroughs by your administrator. You have mm-hmm. daily walkthroughs right now from parents, good, bad, or indifferent happening. Yeah. So teachers are working hard. So keep that up, teachers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Teachers, definitely. You're all doing your best job and, and keep it up. And, and again, kids need uh, all the all the best that we can give them now now a lot of this uh this 12 characteristic of a good deliberate homework eric uh, really grows out of your your belief in in a growth mindset and, and continuing learning process and and i know those are are frequently thrown around topics in education and, and everybody's kind of got their own spin or own definition on them but you know if you had to just give that that nutshell that that basic what what do you believe is growth mindset, or or maybe what are people missing about growth mindset in in all the typical conversations?
1: It's a fascinating topic. We'll talk about it a lot. Um, I retweet information a lot, but the more I talk about it, I kind of get a challenge or a question. And I kind of build off it. So in my book, if I think about learning, I think growth mindset can really be applied to being responsible reflective, resilient, and resourceful. So that's going to be my common answer all the time. You know, for responsibility, how can we help students take ownership um, to reflect? How can they improve um, for resilient? How can we celebrate progress? How can you believe you can learn? Um, And then resourceful, how can you appreciate and be receptive to feedback? Um, But I continue to talk with others, and I continue to expand on what else we can talk about. I've written some blogs lately, kind of focus on well we talk about learning from mistakes but how can we help students understand what to actually do um so i created this area growth mindset model what do i do when i make a mistake or encounter an obstacle Uh, you can have the right attitude you can reflect um, you can focus your effort and then you can focus on action um, explain your thinking um, be deliberately about your planning and avoiding similar mistakes and then i continue to talk another option is Well, we always talk about let's empower autonomy, agency, ownership, but how can you do that? Um, We use the applications of learning in our school district where we talk about making connections and communication, and one of them is Mm self-direction, and we really haven't talked about how we do that, Um, so again, I encourage people to do their best uh, to reflect, to learn from mistakes, to problem solve, Um, and then lately, I've been trying to help others help others. How can you help teach and support others? Um, Another way to talk about it is we've talked a little bit about productive struggle. Um, I love that concept. People talk about it a lot. Um, So I kind of made up my own terminology about grit growth. And if you think of the words grit, how can we curiously and creatively wonder? um, How can we expect struggle? How can we improve? Because it doesn't matter if you're just struggling through it. The focus is really improving. Um, How can we apply those improvements and make connections? Um, One of the blogs that I put out, I think last week through Teach Better, Mm -hmm. it talks about the grit growth progression journey. And I don't want to think about it as a cycle, but think of if you're curious um, and you're courageous, you're applying some effort, but then you have a challenge. So you kind of regress. So I kind of look at it as a mountaintop. Um, Then you're creative. um, You recognize some progress, but then you get scared or you have a setback. Then you might need to pause, um, but then you're resilient and you revise your goals. I'm just trying to think and help people, it's just a cycle. But any time I made a mistake, I'm building off that. I'm getting closer, I'm getting better. So again, I'm just trying to talk with companies, uh, with people, with educators, really, how can you help students um, understand this? We talk about it so much for athletics, um, Mm -hmm. so much for music, but how can we apply that in the classroom? My fifth grader is learning her flute. Okay. Getting better. (laughs) She spent two hours trying to learn this song because she had to record it. She was getting mad at us, but for two hours. And that's awesome. How, you know, when was the last time a kid struggled with a math problem for two hours? And so it's it's really trying to create these. And that's why what your topic is of STEM is amazing. How can we provide these opportunities and support this struggle and help them understand that as they're learning and sticking with it and trying different problem solving tactics, they really are getting better in the long run as well. So I look at growth mindset as a huge topic that we support in athletics. Um, But how can we help that in the classroom? How can we help teachers um, continue? I always focus on continuous improvement. So I could talk about it forever. um, But thinking through some of my recent posts, I'm just trying to talk about those because it talks about my recent uh, frame of mind and how I'm kind of grappling with some yeah. of these independent topics.
0: Yeah, and and I'm just listening to all all, all this great information that you just shared with us, Eric. And I mean, you talked about that growth mindset having uh, responsible and reflective and resilient and resourceful and and, and just what a, what a great set of words those are. And then what do I do when I make a mistake? And that self direction, and then and then helping others, and then that grit growth. And and those of you who are just listening, you can't you can't see the conversation that Eric and I are having. He's, he's like using his hand kind of going up and then back down and then back up and back down. It, you know, and, and I love that, how you explained her. It's not always just a cycle. We want kids to not just end up where they started. We want them to keep going higher and higher. And even if that involves some falling down or slipping down back down the mountain, and, but just keep, uh, keep reaching those higher levels. And like you said, with your daughter, you know, how, how often does one of my students spend two hours on a math question? I, I Eric, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that one, but it's probably been a while. But but that's the when thing. When you do that, you have to
1: have those scaffolded supports. You have to yeah. not do the thinking for the student, but yep. help them reflect what are some problem-solving questions they should be asking. Yeah. With growth mindset, I talk a lot about feedback that teachers can provide, mm-hmm. um, but then questions they can ask. And then hopefully in the end, if you keep doing that, it's hopefully empowering that self-talk where the student is talking through it themselves. And Correct. again, as I go back to my daughters, I'm thinking about students, but I want my daughters to think this way. They're golfers, they're basketball players, they are pretty resilient, but I want them to do that in the classroom too.
0: All right. So so now thinking about your your 12 characteristics of deliberate homework from your from your book, Eric, didn't you didn't you say there should be reasonable completion time? Now that that daughter that's spending two hours uh working on that that flute song, some educators wrestle with that, I think, where they're they're like, I want to give kids these challenging things. I want kids to explore their passions that that, that continuous learning where, like you said, you, moving to a point where you loved learning and you're curious about things and not just playing that game of school. That's a, that's a tricky balance for us as educators.
1: Yeah, homework is going to be different. In my book, I talk about you have to have a meaningful learning mindset. So instead of growth mindset, I called it learning. But I think as I talk more about it, what you have to do is you have to introduce them to that growth mindset. You have to support it. You have to give them scaffolded supports in the classroom so then they can independently work at home. Sometimes that struggle is expected at home. Sometimes it's all in the classroom. Um, But I think what the focus and the growth mindset as it relates to homework is how can you help them problem solve by themselves? How can they be responsible? How can they be resilient? So we have to show them Um, how to think, even like when we talk about growth mindset, being responsible, how can they make sure that they're seeking challenges or they're planning ahead and budgeting their learning time? So there's a lot of topics to it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, we want to be cautious with that rigor. So we're not setting them up both, oh, I want them to persevere, um, but it is too difficult for them.
0: Right. So, so you're saying, Eric, I I think what you're saying here is that, that me sharing my struggle, you know, in the past uh, couple of weeks of, of, uh, learning to use Tinkercad to create a cookie cutter for uh, my daughter to take to the bakery that she works at, that, and then actually getting it to 3D print and and having to go through multiple iterations to make it actually work. That That's the kind of things that if I model that to my students and, and actually tell them about those things that I'm still a learner, I'm still struggling, I'm still uh, having that growth mindset, those, those can be positive things.
1: Absolutely. You need to model it and share it. I think the more they can see about how you struggled, how you needed to adapt, the better. I think I have two slides that I talk about. One of them is about a growth mindset analysis. So you think of a character, yourself, a famous Mm -hmm. person or a family member, and you talk about it. So within your example, what was your challenge? What was the risk you took? What feedback did you get, positive or negative? Um, What was your passion, reflection, effort, persistence? And then overall, what was the success? I think if they can see that in you as a teacher, you as an educator, and then they can find that in a a story character as well, or a famous person, it just really, I'm a black and white person. So I need to see examples of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to see why and how I love talking about Michael Jordan. I like to see how he persevered. I don't like the story how he was cut from his basketball team. He was yeah. more cut from his varsity team. He wasn't right. just cut altogether. Right. So I, I like to see how he perseveres, but obviously he had some skills to go with that as well. Um, but I think understanding that story, the challenges he encountered as a freshman in Chicago, and some of the different things with the mindset as he collaborated with some of his teammates. But I like to hear those stories because I think they can inspire others.
0: Yeah. And I think of so much of what you talked about, Eric, uh, today with us, uh, really... Helps us to think a lot better about what we're doing as as educators who are trying to bring STEM into into our classrooms. You know, as so much of of that growth mindset, that continuous learning, really does overlap with the push for STEM education, with the push for a more integrated, more relevant uh, education. You have a lot of what you've shared has already shown kind of those those interwoven aspects. But I mean, what what are some of your thoughts on on STEM education and and how it how it leads to all of a lot of these things that you've been talking about?
1: Well, STEM is exciting. I mean, I think it's engaging hands-on learning. It empowers creativity, problem solving, resilience, communication Mm -hmm. and planning. It inspires innovation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the students perceive activities on the surface as purposeful play Mm -hmm. um, rather than learning. So that is terrific, but I still think the teachers need to explain the why. Why are they doing that? Um, I think it's fun for kids to tinker Um, They can play. Play Play-based learning is a lot, but in the end, what is the purpose of it? Why did they do it and have reflection, discussion about it? So I think it's amazing. We had a conversation about coding in our school district, and in the end, we talked about using coding as a language, but I think the light switched on for me when they said, um, the presenter talked about, it's not just coding, it's problem solving, it's making choices, and that aligns with our applications of learning. So again, I always need to see a purpose in something, and I always knew coding was good. But once they explained it's a way to problem solve, um, it just helped me think of it in a different way. And I think that's what good teachers have to do. They have to say, this is what we're doing, but why are you doing this? You need to explain the why so they can relate to the real life. Again, I'm very black and white. And so to me as an educator, or actually as a learner, I was missing that sometimes. And now I'm like, huh, well, that is why I learned it. And I just think for some learners, we need to tell them that, yes, this is fun. Yes, you were tinkering, but mm-hmm. do you know what you just built? Do you understand what skills you just used, how you collaborated, how you communicated? Um, I just think that's helpful for some of the students.
0: Yeah, again, that's that, that that's whole self-reflection piece and, and and helping helping kids realize that they're on that, that climbing up that mountain uh, aspect, like you talked about earlier, Eric, and 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 yeah we we talk about it a lot here on on the podcast with so many different educators about we don't just want to give kids a project and say yay this was a stem project and now we can count it and check off our box that we did some some cool stem but that 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 has to have that purpose it needs to be connected to the curriculum and to the content and and have some why we're doing it and and again also to explain that to students so great to great to hear that from from you as well eric especially approaching it from from that growth mindset, continuous learning aspect. I, I do love to always ask uh, educators, what do, they, what do they hope to see as the future of STEM education? And, and I'll kind of open it up because I, I'd love to hear uh, you know, both your, your viewpoint on, on the future of STEM education, but also adding in that growth mindset. What, what's your hope in terms of both of them as, as we keep going forward in the next few years?
1: Well, like you say in your book, we need to create a culture, not just a class. And the more I talk about implementing things, I completely Mm -hmm. believe in that. Yeah. Um, As a father and educator, I think we need to focus on equity. So what are some equitable opportunities to empower all learners to be curious, creative, resilient? Sometimes not all the districts have those classes, though. They have those opportunities. I think it needs to be integrated. So it's meaningful learning. It's Mm -hmm. not just an add-on or an afterthought. I think it needs to contribute to real-life problems or challenges. I love seeing what other people are doing on Twitter. I like some of your posts. I love kids just solving problems. We can build off this. Now that we're in remote learning and hybrid learning, we can connect. You're in Michigan. I'm still talking to you. We can connect with experts. We can solve some real-life problems. I think that could be helpful. I think future electives that blend subjects and connect with real life. I know our middle school allows options and some of them are very, very good. Let the kids have some choice. Yeah. Think, how can we collaborate um, among educators? How can we make connections? Um, but ultimately, again, what are some opportunities to reflectively persevere through some challenges with a growth mindset? I think it's helpful because it will be a challenge, but if you pro- provide those scaffolded supports, um, they can make a lot of creative innovated helpful things yeah
0: and and definitely that word integrated and and i i really feel like like you talked about electives eric that there's such a opportunity i mean for for more and more electives as we realize that let's blur those those content areas let's let's get stem part of everything and not just part of you know the stem classroom and and so um that's that's awesome and, and i do love to always ask everybody if you could uh, have somebody come in and be a guest speaker, either in your class or maybe as a curriculum director, Eric, to the, to your whole staff. Uh, someone from STEM, past or present. You got you got somebody in mind that you would uh, love to hear from.
1: Well, I continue to be fascinated with Albert Einstein's thinking and quotations. I love his quotations, yeah. Uh, but I have three daughters, so I think a focus on a great female inventor is appropriate. Yeah. So Grace Hopper mm-hmm. uh, she designed Harvard's Mark One computer in 1944. Yeah the terms bug and debugging and lately I've been learning a little bit more about coding so I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah and, and again those types of people those kinds of stories again that's why I love asking that question because every one of us needs to uh, to be reminded that that if we could pull those stories into our classroom whether they're through books whether they're through videos and, and histories or, or reading about these things uh, to help kids understand that. Even someone like Albert Einstein or Grace Hopper, they started as a kid learning, right? And, and through growth mindset, through continuous learning, they didn't just stop learning and say, I got a job, now I'm done, I can just work. You know, they, they continued to learn and Right there, Eric, there's your there's your growth mindset in, in both those people you mentioned. So any any other last thoughts you'd love to share? I mean, you shared so many great thoughts. I mean, this is an episode that I think educators are gonna to wanna to listen to multiple times just to to, to get uh, so many of the great, great thoughts that you shared with us today. But any, any other last thoughts you'd love to share with us?
1: No, I love talking about leadership and grading and growth mindset and homework, um, but it was awesome to talk about how we connect that to STEM and STEAM. Um, so I love your questions. I love your focus. And again, I just want to say thank you to educators. This is such a difficult year. You're working so hard. You're being creative. You're being resilient. Um, So really just continue to collaborate, share, um, and inspire those students.
0: That's awesome. Definitely uh, continue to do all those things, educators. And and again, you're doing uh, such an amazing job out there. Again, if you want to uh, connect with Eric, definitely head to Twitter at Eric underscore Youngman. It's in the show notes as well. And not only is he a curriculum director and former principal and teacher and, and willing to Zoom in or Google Meet in or whatever in and, and help your educators uh, learn through some training and stuff, he also wrote a, a dissertation on grading. So I know we didn't talk a lot about grading today, but a lot of educators are wondering, how do I grade, especially right now and, and when things are remote and how there's so many different aspects of grading too, that we could have could have been a whole nother podcast, but uh, maybe, maybe that'll be in the future. So, um, but uh, (laughs) another
1: topic that people are very passionate about.
0: There are. And, and again, that's, that's what it's all about. Educators are passionate people. Eric, I just want to thank you again for, for being on on the Send Everyday podcast today.
1: Thank you. Continue to lead and inspire.
0: All right. I appreciate it. And as always, remember, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Most importantly, if you got any questions, reach out to Eric or reach out to me through dailystem.com or at Daily Stem on all social medias. We're here to help. We're not just educators sitting around somewhere um, just talking about things. We are, we are on the front lines. We are helping. And, and that's what all of us as educators are doing right now. We're on the front lines. We're trying to help these kids and, and doing our best job each and every day. So keep up the good work, educators. And we'll talk to you again next time.